Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Are Maroon and Gold, a podcast featuring me, Chandler Alsbecker. And me, Aaron Williams. Aaron, um, would you rather get right into it or uh, just pause for a moment and, and uh, talk about one positive thing and, and go for athletics news? Uh, and we're involving the basketball team, the men's basketball team specifically. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with pausing just for a minute, yeah. Okay, well, we'll do that. If you didn't hear, a composite four-star, but depending on where you go, five-star. I believe Rivals has him as a five-star. Uh, composite four-star center, Dennis Evans has committed to the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. A few air horn noises. I don't know if we have a soundboard guy. We need an intern, but uh, yeah, that cue, cue, the, cue the, the, the horn. Yeah, this is um, this is airhorn worthy news. Yeah. Um, came down on uh, I guess it was Monday that he committed. According to four seven seven one two ten, thirty first strength prospect in in the country in the twenty twenty three class. Um, the only higher rated uh, prospects in the twenty four seven database to have committed to Minnesota were in 2009, Royce White, and in 2003, Chris Humphreys, um, which is, uh, you know, I, 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 unless I'm mistaken, that's good company, right? Yes, it's, uh, you know, it, hopefully he'll, hopefully he'll leave, a, leave a better legacy than either of those two at the U, but uh, certainly from a talent perspective and from a high school recruiting ranking standpoint, that is, that is about as good as it gets in Midwestern hoops. Uh, and, and just behind Evans' 24-7 rating, we have Daniel Turu and Amir Coffey and Rodney Williams. So, um, you know, this this is a huge, huge commit for this program. Bumps the current class up to the 30th overall ranked, which obviously we have several months to go, um, and potentially another prospect to add in addition to Evans and uh, Cameron Christie. But um, things are, are looking mighty fine. Um, ben Johnson's uh, Minnesota AAU credentials really pulling off here with the uh, California commit and the Illinois commit. I guess, yeah. It's funny, everybody's taught, you know, everybody, it's just ironic that everybody comes here and says, oh, he needs to get the in-state, he needs to get the in-state, which is true to an extent. But man, he's recruiting the West Coast well, you know, and that's like a, an unexpected, uh, an unexpected outcome. This, especially this early, I don't know, you know, what the selling point is if the recruits just like the way the team played last year, or if there's something about his personality or his his playing style or what. But whatever it is, I will, I will take, uh, take, I will, I will take it here. And uh, yeah, just, just the talent he's bringing in seems to be. You know, throwing Dawson, I know it's a different uh, different sort of thing, but, you know, throwing Dawson and, you know, even uh, Talon Cooper, and it's like, you know, that's, we're getting real talent here. We're getting real talent here, and that is uh, that is what we knew we needed, <laughs> having watched last year's product. It just wasn't enough talent. So uh, the more the merrier, and uh, let's let's keep it going. Go for Nation. I, uh, I concur, and I'll say the uh, 2023 in-state class, is not super great, so if uh, the Gophers miss out on anyone, it probably won't hurt too much. Right now, there are only three prospects with a uh, rating 
on 247. The top one, obviously, is Taysen Chapman, who is committed to Ohio State. That one hurts. Four-star, 44th overall prospect. Um, but then you have uh, number 177, Nolan Winter, committed to Wisconsin right now, and the currently uncommitted uh, Tatino Grace, power forward, Patrick Bath, um, who is another three-star, only ranked 219th in the country. Um, so obviously this is a good area uh, for basketball, and I'm sure there is someone who um, will probably, if not here, then in, say, the Pioneer League or the, uh, I don't know, the MAC, show up as a, a pretty solid uh, player who's just on the De La Salle or Minnehaha uh, roster right now. Um, but the 2023 class is not necessarily one where we have to get upset about not keeping the in-state talent in the state. For sure. But anyway, we do need to talk about football because it did happen this last weekend. Um, in, in a sense, football did happen. Football did happen between the hours of 11 a.m. and about 2, 2.30 it was less fun than in the hours following that. But, you know, since we are recording recording on Thursday, putting this up on Friday uh, would be a little redundant, I think, for us to come in with too many thoughts on things other than uh, the Dofer game. We will just quickly run through the Big Ten stores. Michigan beat Penn State 41-17. Maryland beat Indiana 38-33. Michigan State beat Wisconsin 34-28 to satisfy the weekly schadenfreude quota and uh, Purdue beat Nebraska 43-37 um, and then in Champaign, Illinois, Minnesota lost 26-14 to Illinois in a game that kind of from the beginning did not feel great, did it? Yeah, no, you texted me after the first quarter basically and said we're losing this game and I, I agreed. It was, wasn't that we were down behind, it was so insurmountable. It's that we clearly just weren't the, the cylinders weren't firing on either side of the ball, uh, especially I'd say, well, really both sides. Yeah, the defense couldn't 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 get off the field. The offense couldn't move the ball enough to keep them off the field. Illinois just sort of did what I guess they are due now as like being a pretty efficient offense and a pretty, pretty, pretty stout defense. And they they, they beat us fair and square frustratingly yeah to me the big thing was the uh i mean the 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 question coming into the game about illinois defense was not their their front it was their secondary um but they just played so well up front they didn't have to find out whether their secondary could weather the storm and granted the the gophers receivers did not generate separation you have to generate the Illini some credit for that but on the other hand, the amount of pressure that was in Tanner Morgan's face all day made it very, very difficult to get anything done on the uh, as far as passing the ball went. Tanner was only four of 12 for 21 yards. If you want air yards, only four. He also threw an interception uh, on what I, I think would have been a touchdown if not for the the guys who were in his face when he released the ball. Yeah. Um, sure. Morgan ended up leaving the game with a, we would expect, uh, if not a concussion, then close enough to a concussion that uh, it was good to keep him out of the game. And that was a separate issue. He was scrambling for a first down. But um 
he got beat up in this game besides that play is the thing. And, you know, you ran the ball pretty well. I would say you, you saw just how important Muhammad Ibrahim is. Um, it wasn't a perfect day up front, but you did pretty well running the ball and he had a lot to do with that. But also I think your offensive line was better, but uh, when trying to move the ball, the inability to do anything through the air is um, just a bit, it's real disconcerting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was an area that we didn't do well in last year that we were felt much better about. We thought had a chance to be better coming into the year. Obviously, beginning of the year, we felt really good about it. You know, Michigan State comes around and, um, you know, you have that game where you're really just airing it out. And then it all seems to kind of come crashing down against maybe better defenses, but it's, it's disconcerting in your words, nonetheless. And I, I agree with that wording. Um, yeah. You got to throw the ball better. You want to beat, you want to beat better teams. You just, you just have to throw the ball better. And part of that is protection. Like you alluded to part of that is the receivers. Part of that is Tanner, but whatever fault it is. Um, I would say you have to, you have to do better in, the, in that area. And we'll probably talk about that more with, with, with regards to Penn state, but you, you know, you don't, you don't have to be Joe Burrow, but you have to be much better than, than you were. Yeah. And, uh, and then on the other side of the ball, uh, Illinois looked much better throwing the balls than they had all year. I I've expressed on several occasions, my severe skepticism about Tommy DeVito and the depth of his receiving core, but he did exactly what you want him to do in this kind of game. He got rid of the ball quickly. He was accurate. He was on time. Um, he evaded pressure on the occasions that it reached him. And uh, every once in a while, he hit a blunder throw, even if he wasn't asked to do that a whole lot. Um, he managed the game incredibly well. The Dofer's coverage was very soft. It slipped up at the at a handful of key moments, like on that early fourth down where Justin Wally didn't stick with his man on a slant. Um, and then, you know, Chase Brown got his. It wasn't a huge day. He didn't break off a 50-yarder or anything, but yeah, he certainly got his share of yards. Um, your, your defense was not necessarily awful, but it was well below the standards that it has established for itself. Yeah, I, I agree on, on, on that. I would say I felt weird. I felt almost good about the way we did against Chase just because he wasn't able to break really anything off. I mean, he got 180 yards, but on 40 carries, I mean, we, we did more or less make him earn it. Um, I think most games, if you hold them to that, you know, if DeVito, if it, DeVito was the difference maker, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If he doesn't play as well as he does, you know, and you don't give him what you gave him, it's a much different, it's a much, obviously it's a much different ball game. Yeah, and, and I, I, I think the, the short yardage situations are a concern, um, but I, I, I generally agree. You, you, you hold one of the best running backs in America to, you know, a good day. Uh but he doesn't ever like he there, there was not one play where Chase Brown um, ended the game or anything. Only averaged 4.4 yards per carry as a team. Illinois, their successor running the ball was 40 percent, which they've done a lot better than that against some teams. 
they they got to 222 rushing yards, but that was on 53 carries. Like again, these are these are not like things where you say, "Wow, what a great job," but they are things where you say, "Okay, you faced a, a team that's really good at running the ball, and you didn't get plowed over. You lost, but you didn't get plowed over, and you definitely could have won this game if some other areas or um, if you generated if you forced a fumble." or you uh if you ended up sacking devito once or if one of those fourth downs goes the other way um you can absolutely like not change that much in this script to end it with the defense doing it enough uh, to win on most days yeah the defense was not necessarily my concern although again against better quarterbacks you know that's that's concerning the the performance against Devito. So, um, in, in sort of a macro sense, how are you feeling about where things are? Because I was I was down bad after this game. It just it feels like a wasted opportunity, doesn't it? Like the whole yeah, season. it it does. And you know maybe we weren't as good as we thought we were. Maybe we we told ourselves we were better than we thought we. Maybe, reason to believe that we were going to be good and maybe we are still good maybe we're still okay um but yeah maybe this is just a seven or eight win team rather than a nine or a ten or eleven win team just in terms of how good they are you know and that is a bummer because the west is kind of a mess right now you know i know purdue is kind of emerging as a front runner and illinois looks very good but yeah, it it, it 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 does not feel good to be wrong about this team. I'll I'll say that. It doesn't feel good to think that we have a chance at I mean the Rose Bowl is always hyperbolic, but you know, a big bowl game, a big, you know, eleven win season again, you know, re redux of uh you know, of twenty nineteen or even better than that, you know? Um and that it 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 to have to go from feeling like we have the chance to have that sort of a season to now feeling like, well, Maybe it's just kind of a last year kind of season. You know, it was a bit of a bummer. Um, I'm still, you know, we'll still probably win some of these games. You know, we're still a pretty okay team. It's not like we completely fell apart, but uh, it is a bummer in the macro sense to, again, feel like we're sort of wrong about this team. And even if like, we're, if we, and even if you can see that we're not wrong, it's even worse. Like if you think about just in terms of missed opportunity, that just hurts more. But I don't, I think legitimately this team might not be what we thought they were a couple weeks ago. I think it depends on what we thought they were. And I would need to go back and review exactly what we were saying well, about them. Um, I think. Yeah. And I, I, I guess one of the points I feel like I made on here uh, at, at some point was that you, in, in a year like this in the West, you don't have to be as good as you were in 2019 is the thing. You just have to be pretty good, like a, a top 20-ish team, which is not a super high bar to clear. Um, and I still think this team probably will end up ranked at the end of the year, or if not, then just outside the top 25, uh, because I think they are probably one of the 20-ish best teams in America. And yet, Illinois is a lot better than I expected them to be. I still need to, 
Uh, I'm, I'm still waiting for more proof of concept from their offense. I, I need to, to see that DeVito's line can be repeated against other teams. And maybe they don't have to see that with what they have left. But I, I do look at the situation where, like coming into the year, if you told me Iowa's offense is going to be the worst it may have ever been under Kirk Ferentz. Maybe ever. I don't know what to compare it to, but maybe ever. And then Wisconsin is going to fire Paul Christ like in early October. Even yeah. Nebraska firing Scott Frost falling yeah, apart. Yeah, just, just here's the thing. Like we we thought we we didn't necessarily think Nebraska's going to win the West or anything, but we thought there there is a chance they're bowl eligible. They're decent. They're 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 not what computer rankings have said the last couple of years, but they're closer to that than three and nine, you know, and they just fell apart completely. If you told preseason Aaron all of that, like, wouldn't, wouldn't Aaron say, this is the year you have to win the West? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, you know, and that's it's kind of the beauty. You play the games, but, um, yeah, it, it on paper, yeah, you're completely right, and it is more wide open, and even this Illinois team and this – Purdue team. I don't think they're as good as, you know, even if you, even if you take those, like those teams are not what Wisconsin has been in the last few years or a few years ago. Those are, those teams probably are, are, are maybe not even like some of those really good Iowa teams in recent years, you know, like, so it's not like you're replacing, you know, really the, the, the usual cont- it's not like the flip the script has just been flipped where you have the usual contenders and then the seller dwellers and you flip them you know what i mean i mean they're they really it, you're right on paper there's genuinely there's a lane and there there was and may, maybe there still is i don't know probably a pretty small one but yeah it feels like it feels like a year where where you probably should have a pretty good shot at it at the west if nothing else so Obviously, what needs to happen, Minnesota needs to finish 10-2 and two for them to win the West. Because when, when the, the two teams who are also in this competition, if you are willing to say Minnesota is part of it, they both have the tiebreaker over you. Yeah. Illinois, their remaining games, they are off this week. Then they go to Nebraska. Then they play Michigan State. Then Purdue at Michigan at Northwestern. They have a lost Indiana um, already, but they need to lose two because, again, they have the tiebreaker over the Gophers. So, what, Michigan? And then yeah. one of Purdue or Michigan State, probably? Yeah, ideally State. No, yeah. uh, I didn't think about it. Yeah. Um, and then Purdue, you they, they have a loss to Penn State. Um, so, again, you need them to lose two. At Wisconsin this weekend, home against Iowa the next, at Illinois, then their last two games are Northwestern and Indiana. Again, it's not impossible, but the the part that does seem impossible is all of that working out, and then the Gophers also finishing the year with six straight wins. Yeah, and those wins, they're not not gimmies, you know? I mean, those are... I mean, we have one team this weekend that is really pretty good, but you know, even the schedule after that, it's. I mean, there's there's a few you play Rutgers and, and Northwestern, right? But um, even those other games, you know, um, 
you know, Nebraska isn't, you know, is Nebraska's a mess. Wisconsin's a mess, but I'm not looking past those teams. Iowa, Iowa is also a mess, and I, I don't, I'm still probably not looking past them, but I'm looking a little, little past them. I don't know, but those, those teams are not. It's not a gimme, you know. I mean, it, it, it's legitimately, it's a tall order, I guess, is the word people would use. Do you want to talk about that pretty good team this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. They're, uh, they're, they're pretty good. They got beat by a. Really good team. They really, really good team this this last week, and I didn't get to see much of it. But uh, certainly, Penn State is a top ten, top fifteen, top twenty team, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I think closer to twenty than ten. Though, I mean, the the top five just looks very solidified right now. Maybe top six. Yeah. Uh, and we, we shouldn't fault them that much for not being a part of it, even if Penn State fans kind of expect to be in that group. But it's clear they're they're still behind Michigan and Ohio State, uh, but they are still quite good. Just they they have some flaws that I actually think, you know, where their strengths and weaknesses lie, I'm not going to say the Gophers are going to win. My prediction in the end is going to be Penn State having more points than Minnesota, but there are far worse matchups you could get here because tell me if you've heard this one before. Penn State's offensive line is trash. <laughs> never, uh, never heard it, never once in my life. Everyone thinks very highly of uh, their left tackle, uh, Olumuya Fashionu. But the rest of the line has not done a great job. They have redshirt freshman at left guard, Landon Tangwall. Um, they do have experienced right tackle and center, but the, their their stats are pretty poor, and it shows up on the tape, the type of offensive line they have. 88th in line yards per carry, 97th in power success rate, 117th in opportunity rate, which is percentage of runs that go at least four yards. Uh, and their stuff rate is 71st in FBS. They're, they don't allow that many sacks, but that has a whole lot to do with what Sean Clifford does because he's on the run a lot and he gets hit a lot. I, I think if he had a decent offensive line, we would talk in a much more complimentary fashion than we do about Sean Clifford because he does have his flaws. He still, his accuracy can still fluctuate pretty wildly his decision making isn't always good um, but he's a very tough quarterback uh, who's had to deal with a whole lot in terms of the guys trying to make sure he doesn't die and uh, he's still I would say probably one of the 30 best quarterbacks in college football um, maybe 40 best the, the, the sort of it is he's not a bad quarterback no, I think he's certainly more maligned than he probably deserves to be, which is just kind of echoing what you're saying. Um, yeah, the offensive line historically has not been great there. And he has shot himself in the foot a few times, but he's hung around, you know. And he's, he's, he's hung around and he's been largely okay to above average in sometimes difficult circumstances for uh, for about 100 years now. So, um yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't want to say all positive things about Sean Clifford, but I think like like my group chat hates him. Not hates him, but thinks he's trash. And I, I, I don't think I go as far as some other people in, in the criticism. 
might not play on Saturday. Uh, he did leave the Michigan game with an apparent injury. Uh, James Franklin is even cagier than P.J. Fleck about injuries that aren't season-ending. So on Tuesday, there was no update at all, except that it's not season-ending. Season uh, so we could see Drew Aller, the true freshman. Five-star, right? Five-star, uh, number four quarterback in the 2022 class this year. He is 17 of 29 for 200 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and three sacks. He didn't look very good in his Michigan because that's Michigan's defense. But in the times he has shown up, like in the uh, Purdue game to start the year, he uh, he throws a pretty ball. He, he has the arm talent, most certainly. And uh, just you, you would have to imagine maybe not this year, but once he is a little more um, experienced uh, and maybe before then, but probably when he's more experienced, he will offer a significantly higher ceiling than Clifford has offered then because he just it, it's pretty obvious that the kind of athlete he is, he's he's quite solid, um, at, at least, you know, as a as a prospect. A couple other true freshmen that we need to talk about with Penn State, who we figure will play, we have no reason to think they won't, um, are at running back Nicholas Singleton and Tatron Allen. Um, I noted Singleton in the preseason as not having the type of athletic traits that match his body type. He's six foot two nineteen, and he is explosive, um, as explosive as any running back in the country. Uh, he uh, he's he's just he's really really good. You should you should watch him. He will return kicks for Penn State as well. And then Tatron Allen, um, he also has uh, five point one yards per carry this this season. And it, it, Singleton is averaging seven per carry, but that's that's mainly uh, an explosive place thing because again he's not getting positive yardage that much. Just when he is, he's going for forty or fifty. Um, and then at receiver, I, I don't think they're as deep compared to past Penn State receiving tours. Um, they have uh, Mitchell Tinsley, who last year caught 87 passes at Western Kentucky and is uh, in his final year at Penn State, 24 catches, 282 yards so far. He has three touchdowns. Parker Washington has zero somehow this year. Um, Washington slot receiver is, uh, he, he, he does a lot for them. He's, he's really good in the open field. He returns punts. He is a good deep threat because he's so fast. Uh, but he also can go up and, and get a, a jump ball when asked every so often. So he's a, he's a very, very talented player who will probably cause you some problems, but behind him, it's some young guys. Uh, Harrison Wallace the third, Keandre Lambert Smith, and they don't have like a Pat Fryermuth or Mike yeah. Gizicki right now. Brenton Strange is doing a fine job, but he's not a game breaker. So I was gonna say that's one difference. Um, and just on the outside in general, I feel like the the talent isn't quite as it's been the last few years, which is you know certainly in our favor. The running backs, conversely, might be, again, their best since they had, you know, Miles and then Saquon. But the receivers don't seem to be as threatening as, say, I don't know, even Hamlet or something. 
No, there's this, there's no uh, Hamler and Dotson here. Yeah, Dotson was the other guy. So I, I think the key here is you you have to prevent long plays. Uh, just straight up, you gotta you gotta make sure that their steel players don't don't hurt you um, with any backbreakers. Uh, and you gotta make them work for it, which you did a pretty good job of this past weekend against Illinois. When you got into the red zone, you first you forced four field goals. If you can do that again, you know that that would be pretty good. You obviously don't want to let them into the red zone, but if you're able to keep plays in front of you, if you're able to swarm to the ball, make sure that Singleton and Allen don't get any chance to break into the second or third level. Then that will do wonders for your ability to, to to keep them off the board. Obviously, you need to create turnover opportunities, strip the ball, get your hands on passes, but I don't think their offensive line is is gonna do particularly well this year. If you create negative runs, if you pressure the quarterback, um, if you make it so they have to rely on the short stuff and they don't have uh, they don't have any run game going, then I think you you could be able to keep this game within reach. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's optimistic, but with the right, <laughs> you know, with the right confluence of factors, I, I agree. I agree. We, I think we have a, a chance. Defensively, their secondary is their strength. Pretty obviously um, they do give up a few big plays here and there, but they are fourth in FBS and completion percentage allowed 51.6%. Um, they got Joey Porter Jr., who's really good. They got yeah. Kalen Kane, a, a true sophomore, who's pretty good. Um, Jair Brown, their their deep safety, he's also really good. They've got some talent in the secondary on top of that. They've got Jonathan Sutherland, who has been around a really long while. He's kind of a hybrid uh, nickelback linebacker type who will come off the field for a guy that uh, MDO blog at least thought was not very good, Daquan Hardy. Daquan Hardy, if and stay one, someone lighter. Um, but you, you got to avoid their secondary. Um, you got to avoid specifically Porter, which seems like what every team outside of Purdue has been doing this year. And uh, you need to run the ball because this is an area that has been a, a pretty major problem for Penn State. Uh, by non-sack yards per carry, Penn State ranks 104th in FBS which is a uh, pretty, pretty low, um, even though they destroyed Auburn, even though they played Ohio and central Michigan and I guess Northwestern, that was a weird game in the rain, but, um, they haven't run the ball particularly well. They're kind of small up front, uh, Adisa Isaac, 243 pounds, Chop Robinson, 239, Nick Tarburton, 258, PJ Mustafer. 318 pounds, good size for a nose tackle. But um, the other guys, they rotate in. Hakeem Beeman and uh, Amin Vanover, Danny Dennis, Dennis Sutton, they're they're under 270 pounds. They, they're they pretty light along the defensive line. Their linebackers haven't done particularly well. Um, this this is a team you, especially, you know, with, with the experience you theoretically have, uh, the size you have, then you should be able to push them around fairly well here. You know, uh, especially if Tanner Morgan is hurt, um, then you should just run until Penn State shows you're not going to be able to run anymore. 
I it seemed like don't they had a that. lot of problems. Don't say that. Right? Don't say that. Don't say that too loud. They might get they might get ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, I I don't need to say anything for for PJ Fleck to to run the ball 60 times in the game. He's gonna try for it no matter what. I do want to say JJ McCarthy uh, last week for Michigan seemed to do pretty well running, and Penn State didn't really know how to handle facing a mobile quarterback. So it might not be a bad week to give Colt Kramer some more time. Um, if you think Talik Manis has to be your starter, which just want to say, first career start in Happy Valley and a wideout. Do you feel good, good about this? Good luck. Good luck, kid. You're going to do great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wh- Whoever is in there, whether it's Kramer or Talik Manis, um, assuming it's not Morgan. Again, this is only in the situation where it's not Morgan. Whichever one of them, you'll have more of a running threat than Morgan presents. Um, and uh, I think that's something you should try to take advantage of. Even if Morgan plays, uh, you should you should bring out your your crispy package and uh, and let let Kramer do some stuff and actually throw the ball when he's in as well, um, just to give yourself a little bit of room along the line of scrimmage. Just something early to keep them honest the rest of the game. But like I said, I think this is within reach. The computers seem to think so, uh, at least when I checked the other day. Vegas' spread was four and a half points in favor of Penn State. FPI, uh, 62.5% chance Penn State wins. SP Plus actually favors Minnesota by a point. Um, FEI actually does as well, uh, 55.3% chance. Massey, 538 and CFB drafts all favor Penn State, but the most confident among any of them is 538, 61%. So it, it's possible that the computers have bought too much into those first few weeks, um, although they have also filtered out preseason projections a little bit at this point. But there, there's a good chance this is a competitive game for a while. I don't think it's going to be high scoring, but I I think this can be competitive if things go right. I also think, especially with no Tanner Morgan, this could get ugly quickly. What do you think? I agree. I agree. I think, you know, Tanner as maligned as he has been at times this year and throughout his recent career, um, not having Tanner. I mean, we always talk about this with backup quarterbacks. It's like the Rota thing, you know, where it's like, you always want the next guy up until you actually get the next guy up. Um, and, you know, Cali McManus, we know he was highly recruited. We think he hopefully has a bright future and some ability. Um, with that said, I really want Tanner to start this week because I don't know, you know, we don't know what we have in eighth. And, and uh, you know, it's a really, like you said, it's a hostile environment. It's a really hard environment for a freshman and a hard team to go against to come in and, uh, be successful. I'm kind of forgetting where I was going with that, but things need to go right. You need a few turnovers. Um, you need your defense needs to play again. Like you said, limit those explosive plays. I think, you know, you said you think it's going to be a low scoring game. I, I think it needs to, it needs to be a low scoring game, right? Yeah. I, I think if you're able to limit the number of possessions and this, this is one of the times where the uh, run the ball really slowly type of thing actually makes sense going into a really tough environment as the underdog, going up against a team that can strike quickly but not string together long drives. This is, I think if you're able to limit possessions and keep the store low, that gives you a better chance. Yeah, and that's not always, like you said, it's not always how we want them to play, but it seems like it makes 
makes sense here. Um, but, I, you know, the things that matter every game, like you said, turnovers, special teams, <laughs> you know. Ken Redding has another big return. That could be a huge, huge thing in this game. Yeah, that was a huge thing. Yeah, it was a huge thing last week. That was a huge momentum shift, you know, if you believe in that. And uh, the Cosmos are going to need to be on your side. That is for sure. Do I think we win this game four times out of ten? I don't know. I don't know if I agree with, 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 with the computers. But... You know, do we win three times out of ten? Yeah, maybe. And that's you know, that's enough to not enough to watch, you know. Yeah. Uh do you have a score prediction? Yeah, I'd probably say thirty to twenty Penn State. I'm usually in that range, but it you know, I, I, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm I am hopeful. I guess not optimistic, I'm hopeful it can be better than that, but Penn State's a good team. You know, again, they've only lost to Michigan, and they've played pretty well in most of their other games. They beat Auburn, and Auburn isn't great. They beat Auburn bad. You know, they beat a good Purdue team, even if it was week one. So, yeah, I I, I think Penn State's just got a little more juice, but I'm hopeful, hopeful, hopeful that I'm that they, that they prove me wrong. I'll say 24-14 in favor of Penn State. Like I said, I, I think there is potential here. I do think things need to go right, like you said. Just I don't think it needs to be a ton. I I, I think you have the right matchup here, even if there's a talent deficit. I think you have the right matchup to make something happen, but you got to get those extra kind of weird football things to happen. And if they go the other way, then I think that's that's probably it. Yeah, for sure. Kickoff is 6.30 on... ABC. Uh, weather is supposed to be mid 50s and clear, not too windy, uh, no worse than five miles per hour, at least when I checked the other day. Commentators will be the always over announcing Joe Tessitore and then Greg McElroy along his side. Um, in the Big Ten, in the 11 o'clock window on Fox, Iowa at Ohio State, and on BTN, Indiana at Rutgers. Not great. No, no, not at all. 2.30 on BTN is Northwestern Maryland, and 2.30 on ESPN is Purdue at Wisconsin. Is there any, uh, let's say, two games that you think will be worth watching this weekend that uh, do not involve Big Ten teams? I'll go Memphis at Tulane. And I will go with a big one, UCLA at Oregon. I think those those are games uh, that's kind of one underrated matchup and one very hyped matchup. I think those games are both pretty even teams. Um, UCLA, when I've watched them, has looked really good. Oregon really bounced back. I know they got shellacked by Georgia, which is <laughs> certainly no sin. They're not the first. They won't be the last. But um, those games were uh, those games, I think, have, have a lot of potential. And Bo Nix... Again, I don't. I never trust him, but he's looked good this year. Yeah, never, never trust him, but uh, he is capable of of doing pretty well. Um, I will, uh, I will say Kansas State TCU. It's a good one. Seven o'clock on FS1. Um, these are two teams that have. I I, I think we kind of could figure Kansas State was going to be pretty good, but TCU has pretty wildly outstripped their expectations yeah. so far this year. What a good story, Adrian Martinez. Yeah, great story. Um, you know, he's he's they're doing some fun stuff in the run game and uh, he's taken care of the ball pretty well. He's a he's a 
good player and I feel pretty vindicated and yeah. not crapping all over him last year like a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and then I do want to highlight one late game. Um, yeah. At 10 o'clock on ESPN2, Montana and Sacramento State. Okay. Okay. These, these two teams are seemingly the front runners in the big sky this year. Um, just to pull up the standings real quick. What is Sacramento State's nickname? Bobcats? Maybe? They are... Uh, they're the Hornets. Jeez, I was way off. Played the Bobcats recently, but... Well, Montana, 5-1 and one this year. 2-1 and one in the big sky. Montana State is actually 4-0. and oh. They're not in this game. Uh, they've, uh, they actually play Weber State this weekend, and that's another one to watch. Um, but Sacramento State is 6-0. and oh. This is uh, usually the second or third best conference in FCS, um, and there are there are some good teams here. And I can't tell you anything about either of their rosters, but I would say that's a lot better than our other late-night options this week. Um, so I don't know how much of that I'll get to watch. I'll, I'll be at a wedding Saturday night. I uh, don't know how much of the Gophers I'll get to watch, at least live. Um but I, uh, I do think that is a good place to put your eyeballs, ESPN2. Yes, fair enough. Anyway, we will have a review of the Penn State game when we talk next week, um, as well as a preview of Rutgers, as we always do, um, a preview of the Gophers' next opponent. And uh, is there anything else that you need to mention here before we sign off? Uh- uh, I just want to say Alabama versus Tennessee was one of the probably five to ten best football games I've watched in my life. We didn't really talk about it, but oh my goodness, that was incredible in every 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 facet. I am I am I I was one of the people who thought Tennessee would never get back to where they are now, and I don't know. That was that. that Storylines aside, that was just incredible football, and I'm glad I got to watch that. I, I missed more of it than I wanted to because of friend happenings, but uh, it was, I, I had it on for much of the game and it was uh, outstanding football. And uh, Rocky tops a banger. It is, it is. Talk to you again next week, everyone.